on this episode of The Kinked Wire. If you follow good practices, you minimize the patient dose, you wear your protective clothing, you use the pull-down shields and you put the pull-down shields as close to the patient as you can, your exposures are going to be very low. Welcome to The Kinked Wire, the interventional radiology podcast from SIR's IR Quarterly Magazine. You can learn more at our website, surweb.org slash kinkedwire. And this episode is brought to you by Boston Scientific. Learn more at bostonscientific.com slash IL. In this episode, Kinked Wire host Ron Krakow speaks with Radiation Safety Officer Joseph Ring about the importance of proper radiation safety measures, what interventional radiologists can do to protect themselves, and concerns commonly expressed by medical students considering a career in IR. Thanks so much for being here, Dr. Ring. I'd like, if you could, to give us an overview of radiation medicine. You know, I'm an interventional radiologist myself. My understanding of radiation in my specialty is similar to my view of chocolate cake, which is basically a little bit of it I need to survive. But if I have too much of it, I'm going to be in trouble. So I like the way you put that, chocolate cake. Um, Radiation protection in medicine is kind of an interesting subject because you have to have it. And one of the things that I see, especially with some people, is they don't worry about it at all. And then we've got the other extreme where people worry about it an awful lot to the detriment. And really what I'd love to see is the middle ground. There are an awful lot of studies out there that get people all worked up both patients and clinicians about the radiation exposures. And I like to kind of step back a little bit and take a look at it from what we deliver to our patients. When we're doing interventional procedures, our patients get gray worth of radiation exposures, very large radiation exposures, and our patients do well. The advantage, of course, to the patient is that They come in for a CT or a chest x-ray, and they get the value of the diagnosis or the treatment, but there's no long-term health effect that we can quantify for most patients at this level. When you talk very sick patients who get multiple procedures and multiple imaging or radiation oncology, that's a different story. We're talking about people who get very large doses. Mm -hmm. Us as professionals delivering the dose, we get a very much lower dose. And that kind of comparison, I hope, should help us understand that we're probably not looking at large radiation risks from the exposures we'll get in the clinic. Not to say that we shouldn't minimize them, but they're fairly small. I'm of the philosophy that If you can eliminate some radiation exposure without getting the patient, the treatment, or other things all complicated, why not? Because if you eliminate the exposure, you don't have to worry about the risk from that exposure. In fluoroscopy, what we're delivering to the patient is about a thousand times higher than the typical exposure that the clinician's going to get. And that's just a kind of quick rule of thumb. So I want us to remember that the main goal of this is going to be to reduce the exposure to the patient. Anything that we do to reduce the exposure to the patient is going to reduce the exposure to the staff in the procedure room. That means using the lowest frame rate possible to achieve the clinical goals that you're trying to get. Collimate only to the area of interest. Keep your foot off the pedal if you're not watching the image and wear your radiation protection apparel. Wear your apron. I highly recommend wearing a vest, a collar, and a skirt 
because they're going to distribute the weight much better on you and reduce the fatigue level. That is really important because if you take longer to do a procedure, you're not as effective and you're going to get more exposure and the patient's going to get more exposure. Bear in mind that when you put that apron on, typically the aprons that we all use are going to attenuate 95% plus of the radiation that's incident on you. Is that why that a thousand times less number because we're wearing lead? Nobody's ever asked that question. It's a good question. It's because the patient absorbs the radiation and scatters it. Okay, so we're only getting the scatter. Less than what we normally would if we're wearing our lead properly and distancing properly and so on. Yes, you're going to get a thousandth, but if you wear the lead apron, you're going to cut that even more. That's where I'm trying to head with the advantage of wearing the, the lead apron, where we still call them lead aprons, though we don't use lead in most of them anymore. And I recommend that you don't buy a lead apron. You buy one of the composites because they're so much lighter. They're maybe five to 10 pounds lighter. And if you're carrying that all day, that's going to mean a big difference. If you wear your protective gear and you're imaging the patient to minimize the dose, you're going to wind up getting a lower dose yourself. We always thought that cataracts were something that would happen when you got a fairly large radiation exposure. Let's say something too gray and above. And what we're learning in maybe the last 10, 15 years is that the threshold for cataracts is probably a lot lower. It's down around half a gray. Okay. And that means it's closer to the values that clinicians may see over a lifetime. We want to minimize that dose. The other thing that we're looking at with cataracts is originally we thought they were probably deterministic, meaning that it's just when you get enough dose, it happens. Mm -hmm. The more recent data says that there may be the possibility that this is stochastic. So that means I want to minimize the radiation exposure to the eyes whenever possible. So I want you to consider wearing leaded eyewear and make sure that when you're wearing them, you want to have the wraparound eyewear or side shields because a lot of the scatter is going to come in from the corners and it scatters up kind of in the area by the nose. And they find that people who have these radiation-induced cataracts is that's where they get them is in the corners of the eye where it could scatter. And radiation cataracts are kind of different than most cataracts. The other thing is don't panic because I see an awful lot of people worried about the radiation exposure to their heads and they want to wear a skull cap. Right. I'm not an advocate of skull caps and I'm not an advocate of gloves. Okay. Uh, Why? Skull caps, well, the head is very radio resistant. Of all the body parts, the head has got the lowest probability of coming up with some kind of adverse health effects. And we just don't see health effects from brain exposures. Do the skull caps make it worse or are you just wasting your money? What I find when people wear them is they aggravate them. They get hot and sweaty, and that distracts them from doing the procedure. Okay. And so the combination of no net benefit and distracting people from the procedure and possibly making it take longer, those latter two are more important to me. I want you to get in there and do your procedure in the most expeditious way so that you're finished, the patient and you get a lower radiation exposure, Anything that's going to cause you to push the pedal longer or feel more uncomfortable is going to extend the procedure, possibly increasing radiation exposures.
Gloves, similar but even more insignificant. By wearing gloves, we stand the potential to put the gloves in the radiation field. And today we're all using imaging systems that are, if you will, very smart. And they adjust to whatever they see in the field so that we get a good quality image. And inadvertently, a glove shows up in the field. The x-ray system says, oh, something changed right. to increase the parameters to maintain image quality. And everybody gets a higher dose. And effectively, your hand gets the same dose it would get without the glove. Most of the folks probably listening to the podcast have been trained and at least should be familiar with the concepts you're mentioning. But, you know, as we've seen, there are more and more medical specialties now using fluoroscopy and, and other types of radiation. What has your experience been with their use of radiation protection and, you know, their training with it and their use of protecting their patients? Interventional radiologists, radiologists, and for the most part, most interventional cardiologists tend to do a pretty good job of minimizing radiation exposures and understanding the risks. While they may not know all the details, they do a pretty good job. The other physicians, it's a tool. And like all of us, we use a tool and we understand enough to use the tool. More and more, I find that the miscellaneous, let's call it, use of fluoroscopy and radiation exposures by non-radiologists. They don't understand all the particulars. They don't really understand the radiation protection principles, and they really worry about radiation risk. And my experience is that makes them overly reactive to the exposures, or in some cases, they don't recognize the exposures, and they deliver more exposure to the patient and themselves than they should. That's something that's a little bit concerning. We always have to remind these clinicians especially, wear your radiation dosimeters. The reason that we ask for the radiation dosimeters in these people who are less likely to get big exposures is because we can work with them to say, yeah, you're getting this kind of an exposure, even though it's small, that correlates well with your patient's exposure, and we can work with you to minimize both. That, I think, is something that we all need to work on. The affiliated radiologists probably need a little bit of help to understand all the radiation principles. Some of them are wonderful. They really understand it. But there, there's a fair number of them that just, they don't have enough depth. You know, I know the RSNA has Image Wisely, for example, but we may want to try to reach into other silos and help educate getting back to sort of radiologists, radiation oncologists, interventional radiologists specifically, has it been your experience that women and men in those specialties have different concerns? And if so, is that validated with respect to maybe breast cancer risk in the future, uh, childbearing, you know, risks to a potential fetus and so on? Uh, I'm going to give you two sets of answers. I tend to find that the male is possibly less concerned about the radiation exposures than the woman. And that could be whether pregnancy and breast cancer are not in the equation. And it's not always, of course, uniform, but women tend to be a little bit more practical in managing their radiation exposures. Sometimes we see the male just wants to get it done. When a woman becomes pregnant, that's when we see a big change. I can't tell you how many female radiologists, as soon as they find that they are pregnant or are interested in becoming pregnant, their radiation dosimetry practices change dramatically. 
they'll actually wear their badges and they get more interested. They don't necessarily decrease their radiation exposure though. Are you aware of any kind of statistical validation or studies that show one gender or the other may be at more risk or that fetuses are at more risk if the proper precautions are taken? We know for certain that fetuses are more at risk because they're developing faster. Even with all the shielding and everything, that is a, a risk. Well, risk always. Practical risk and something to really worry about, I would not say that. So when I look at exposures to the fetus during this nine-month period, for the most part, they are well under the radiation limits for pregnant workers. Typically, even, even my male clinicians who work in the very highest exposures, their exposures, if you will, to the belly are well underneath the exposure limits. That should hopefully be reassuring to a, a clinician who either you know, wants to get pregnant or is pregnant, that data suggests that, that there won't be long-term sequelae to the fetus. Is that accurate? That's clearly accurate. So if you look at the numbers, I'm going to switch to radiation protection units because the numbers are too small for traditional radiation units in medicine. Uh, we use the milligram. Most under apron belly badges are going to be in the 10 milligram per month or less, even on highly exposed interventionalists. And the regulation says that we should be under 50 milligram per month. But the guidelines for looking at a pregnancy's potential impact from radiation exposure, we don't do anything until the potential baby exposure is 10,000 milligram. Huge difference there. So if you look at the guidance from the American College of Radiology or the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, they have no problems, if you will, allowing CT exposures of a pregnant woman. Now, that's where you're going to get a real dose that's going to make it deep enough and mm -hmm. they're not wearing shielding. And we see no impacts. Now, you obviously want to manage the number of exposures that she gets. And she's a patient, so that makes the risk-benefit equation a little bit different too. But I'm using it simply as an example to say, we can get an exposure where we can minimize the dose and not have a health outcome for the fetus. There are a lot of reasons that this is important, but one of the sort of timely reasons, I think, is that, you know, we're very concerned about inclusion in, in everything, but, you know, in, in this venue anyway, in interventional radiology. And, you know, we're certainly looking to ensure that there are no barriers, um, and certainly there are human-constructed barriers, this potentially could be a biological barrier. And I'm very glad to hear that it isn't, and that gets into our next area. In general, when we talk to uh, our younger colleagues or folks who are finishing up medical school and looking to go into some of these more radiation-intensive fields uh, like interventional radiology, there is concern both for biological male and biological female medical students. Uh, they do express concern. Is that something in your experience that when we're counseling these folks, we can discount for them? I appreciate the concern for radiation exposures, and I will never minimize somebody's concern for it. I always want to think about, as I said at the beginning, minimize the exposure so you don't have to worry about the risk. However, if you follow good practices, you minimize the patient dose, you wear your protective clothing, you use the pull-down shields, and you put the pull-down shields as close to the patient as you can, 
you use the table skirt to minimize the exposure from under the table, your exposures are going to be very low. And that low number is way underneath the values that we would professionally use to calculate a risk. Is it fair for me to say to one of these students, we know of no increased risk for you to go into interventional radiology versus the surgical field because of the radiation use, you should choose what you want to do? I go almost with your answer with one caveat. There is the cataract issue. We don't know the complete answer, but we do know it's lower. And if you wear your protective clothing and you wear the eyewear and you do the right safety practices, you're going to minimize the radiation dose to your eyes. And we've done that here. And I can see the radiation exposures to our highest exposed interventionalists have come way down. And they are in a position where those risks are really being minimized. And we're calculating the exposure to their eyes without the advantage of calculating in it the protection of the eyewear that we know they're wearing. You can minimize the exposure. And if your passion is interventional radiology or interventional cardiology, et cetera, do it. Without the radiation exposure, I would respect it and minimize the exposures so that I have less to worry about. Except for the cataract issue, when we're looking at the body, we don't really look at much as an exposure risk until your body dose gets up into the tens of rem or the tens of milligray. That's a lot of exposure for somebody on their body, even over a lifetime. Most of my interventionalists in the last 10 years, they don't have that kind of dose. That's integrated over the last 10 years. So I'm not going to worry about it. I want to encourage them to do what's their passion, and I want them to follow good radiation safety practices. Listen, I think that is really good news. And I think a lot of interventionalists from whatever specialty and whatever gender, I think it's something that folks worry about. I'll tell you, I worry about it. And I think hearing you today provide some clear data-based answers and information as well, uh, providing and really reinforcing the things that we can do really easily and should be doing to minimize our risks. And then, you know, giving us a way, I think, maybe to reach out to some of our colleagues and say, hey, look, you may want to be, be doing this both for your patients and for yourselves. I, I think this has been tremendously helpful and I, I really appreciate it. As we wind down here, we always like to ask all of our guests, if you had the power to change one thing in all of medicine, what would it be? I'd really like to go way down to the beginning and say, let's eliminate the illnesses so we don't have to worry about any procedures. I can't do that. So the one thing that I'd like to get instilled in people is, as clinicians, I see the clinicians very driven to care for the patient. And they don't always remember their person too. And we have to work with them to encourage them to follow the safety practices that we want to put in to help protect them. They're, too, they're so driven at the patient care, they're going to take care of the patient without looking necessarily at everything else. So help us follow the protection practices that we are putting in for your protection and health. That means wear your aprons, and please wear your radiation dosimeters in the right locations. That way we can help you figure out if your practices are gonna protect you and your patients.
I'm just thinking some of, some of our past guests, we've had a social worker named Felicia Speed on who talked about sort of protecting yourself from an emotional perspective as a clinician. Yes, take care of your patients, but take care of yourself. We just had on Barbara Hamilton, who's an interventional radiologist, who made the same point, uh, you know, with regards to being able to have your own life and being able to raise kids, for example. And now you're making that very same point, too. So, uh, you know, again, coming from a different perspective, I, I find that fascinating um, and, and something I think we all need to look at in medicine. Again, I, I really want to thank you, Dr. Ring, very much, and uh, I wish you all the best. Thank you. It's a pleasure, and I hope that I have given you all something to think about, and you give me something to think about as well. That was Dr. Joseph Ring sharing his views on the relative safety of a career in IR, if proper measures are taken. We thank Dr. Ring for his time, Boston Scientific for supporting this episode, and you for listening to The King's Wire. Our host is Dr. Warren Krakoff. Our editor is Dr. Jamin Shaw. Our production manager is Dr. Jason Fisher. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have any thoughts or ideas for us, drop us a line at irq.org.